Welcome back to Suda's podcast. This is the concluding episode of the series of the stories of the six. Sikhande Prasang, the stories originally written by Bhai Mani Singh Shaheed in the Sikhande Pagatmala, which is an expansion on Bhai Gurdashi's 11th Var, naming the six from the times of the Gurus. This writing details the questions they posed to Guru Hargobind and how the Guru responded. So the author of this text we are reading Suraj Prakash, the great poet Santokh Singh has utilized this source and is conveying those conversations here. So this is the conclusion of the six-part series. This chapter starts with a Sikh named Panu Behel, who was from Raj Mahal, which is in eastern India, even farther east than Patna Sahib. So this Sikh was just adorned with devotional worship and would work in accordance to the Guru's teachings he would contemplate the true name Vaheguru and would distribute whatever was in his home. He came to Guru Hargobind bowing down and placing an offering before the Guru. He asked the ocean of wisdom Guru Hargobind a question. There are countless ideas, perspectives in the Shastras, the Indic sacred scripture. Some sing of the praises of the performance of austerities, tapasya. Some on going on pilgrimages. Some say to keep fasts. Some say to do havans, organizing great feasts. Some say, you know, this is the way to do charity. But in the Guru's house, only importance and glory is given to the remembrance of the divine name. Please tell me why there is this difference. How has such praise got assigned to the true name, Satanam? Guru Hargavan heard this and from their exalted mouth they said, Listen. I'll explain in this great analogy. The true name Satanam is like a number one. Without this, if you were to do any other ritual, it would be just nothing. If you place this number one, this lion, in front of any other zero, then it multiplies tenfold. If you don't have that number one in front, all you'll have is straight zeros. You won't get anything. It won't add up to anything. This is like the true name Satanam. Without it, anything else is meaningless. If you don't have that number one in front of all those other zeros, forget it. Forget it multiplying those. You won't even have anything there. All these other parts of Tadam that you were mentioning, like the austerities, the tirith, the pilgrimage, the fasting, etc. These are all the zeros. These are all for past ages. When people in the past were vastly stronger than us, had more wealth. In this dark age of Gaudiog, only the true name is one that will take you to liberation, the abode of peace. Without the name, there won't be any escaping. These other actions, practices that you mentioned, they just increase one's ego. Being humble and meditating upon Hari's name, that will lead to peace at the end of your life. So this is the difference. So understand it in this way that through this practice of devotional worship in the frame of humility, this practice does not lead to the expansion of the ego. Banu Behel heard this and was pleased and happy with the response. He enshrined the Guru's teachings within his heart. After this begins another story related to a Sikh named Badali Sodi and Seth Gopal, 
They would always remain with Guru Hargobind. They would live there with the Guru, performing great amounts of seva, service. And one day they asked the Guru a question. Guru Hargobind, give us some teachings such that we may obtain the highest form of liberation. And Guru Hargobind replied in saying, it's extremely easy. In front of everyone, be humble. It's just like when rain drizzles. It travels to the low ground and it collects there. It gets higher there. Or like in the dirt we see that's on the ground, it's always below our feet, but at the end of our life, it's on top of us when we are buried in the ground. Or like our little finger on our hand. We put the most expensive and best jewelry on that finger, the smallest. Or like the smallest tree being sandalwood. Still, that tree has the power to carry its fragrance amongst all the other big trees around it. If you want the highest position, then you should lower yourself in front of everyone. In Indic tradition, the greatest glory has been given to Vishnu. He is the most popular Devta. This is because he has been the most humble in front of all the other Devtas. When Prigu, a Rishimuni, a holy sage, kicked Vishnu, and Vishnu bared that attack in a humble fashion, Vishnu then washed the feet of Prigu. Vishnu engaged with the world in a way of humility. And that's why he's so praised and given such high status. He had no ego at all. One should always want to lose, to submit to the Guru Six. One should not try to defeat or beat or feel superior to them. If one does that, if one tries to intellectually or physically win over the Six, in the end, they will lose. Those who are humble and submit under them, they shall win in this world and the next. Those who think that they have reached such a high status or position, these people will fall down from that in time. If one understands this, if one understands themselves to be the lowest of the low, then they automatically become the highest. Those who try to win, they lose. Those who are okay with losing, who submit, they are the ones who win. This is why six have this backwards approach, that amongst the true congregation, they should be humble. With sweet voices, they speak with the six. So when saying this, those six around who were listening, they adorned humility and they obtained the highest position. So after this story, another Gursik whose name was Sundar Chadda, who lived in Agra. In Agra, the six would get together in their Taramsala, the Gurdwara, where they would perform Kirtan and remember the divine name. Wherever the Sikh would see that devotional worship was taking place, he would always try to perform seva service there for those engaged in that worship. So he came to meet Guru Hargobind, and he would, with great love, perform seva in the court of Guru Hargobind. So one day he clasped his hands together and asked the Guru, O true Guru, in what ways do you destroy the vices of your Sikhs and adorn them with virtue, liberating them in the end? Guru Hargobind then replied saying, there are four types of true Gurus. But even then, out of these four types, Guru Nanak is higher than them all. Even by listening to the name of Guru Nanak, the angels of death, they run away. So the first type of Guru is one who is like a Pringi. And this is a parasitic wasp, which in medieval Indian devotional poetry is used as a metaphor for divine transformation. So, so Guru Hargobind says that this wasp will go to any other insect and within that insect implant many of its own. And that insect then 
contemplating the wasp becomes like that wasp. Whatever the insect it may be, it becomes that wasp. So the analogy here is that the wasp implants its larvae inside that insect, like a caterpillar. And the larvae slowly grows inside that caterpillar, drinking its blood, uh, even until it gets big enough that it eats its way out of that caterpillar. The larvae then make a cocoon, and the caterpillar is so infected by that parasite that it helps out the larvae as well, that just had eaten it itself out of that uh, caterpillar. And it actually helps making a secondary layer of cocoon as well. And it protects the larvae until it just starves to death in its protecting of that larvae. So in the same way, Guru Hargobin is saying that this wasp is able to transform an insect into itself. And that is one type of guru who is able to pick out somebody, specifically a student, and make them equivalent. The second type of guru is like the philosopher's stone. Whatever material you bring to that stone, and if you touch it, it will become gold. It can make it gold, but it cannot give it the same virtue, the same quality it has to transform other objects like itself. So this is a, the type of guru that can teach, it can impart knowledge, but it cannot make their students their equivalent. The third type of guru is like sandalwood, which, depending on the season, lets out great amounts of fragrance amongst all the trees around it. But it doesn't do this unless it's the right season and time. So this type of teacher can only be useful depending on the circumstance, the environment around it, the people around it, they are not always able to teach and spread that fragrance, that knowledge. So the fourth type of guru is like a lamp. It can make another lamp just like itself. It can light it up only if that other lamp has the same qualities as it has, the oil and the wick. So this type of guru can only make another an equivalent if the other, if the student has certain qualities. So Guru Hargobind continues on saying that the exalted Guru Nanak is the highest and most compassionate. If a Sikh has faith in the Guru, if they listen or they recite the Bani of the true Guru, then slowly and slowly they'll become a Brahmgyani, someone who has the wisdom of the divine, Brahm. They become the true form of bliss. They experience the Atma, the true self. And if they desire, they can make others like themselves as well. And one requires no other sadhana, no other type of practice besides the meeting with the true congregation. And from doing this, one obtains liberation and the bondage of birth and death is removed. So Sundar Chadda, he heard this, these beautiful teachings, and his love for the true congregation increased. So there was another story of a Sikh named Mohan from Dhaka. And this is really far out in Bangladesh. He always wanted the virtues of the Guru's Sikhi in his heart. He came from a very far distance to receive the divine sight of Guru Hargobind, and he brought with him whatever he could to offer the Guru. He bowed down with such happiness when arriving at the court of Guru Hargobind, and he stayed there for some time before asking the Guru, O true emperor, the pain from birth and death is so vicious. Please help me remove this, O nurturer of the meek. Guru Hargobind replied to him saying, This pain, this pain is there if one does not recognize one's true self. Without understanding really who you are, there is this massive pain associated with life and death. So tell me, who are you really? What is your real form? 
which you have such fondness for and which you have this anxiety as well. So Mohorn replied saying, well, I am a man. I have this body that you are looking at. Oh, true emperor, I am your Sikh. Guru Hargobind replied saying, listen, Mohan, this entire body of yours, it's constructed from the five elements, earth, wind, fire, water, space. These elements were there before you were bo born and will be there after you're dead as well. There's no difference in your body and mine between the body of a guru and a Sikh. It's the same. The divine resides equally within both. We are not born, we do not die. We are the witness before all of that, which is this, that united divine within all. The difference between us is between the mind. The mind is different between a Sikh and a Guru, and the difference is vast. The Guru's mind is bright, the Sikh's mind is dark. One is pure, and the other is impure. When a Sikh comes into the Guru's sanctuary for worship, when their ears hear the Guru's words, and when they go down that path of the teachings, when these teachings are enshrined in their heart, then stillness comes to their mind, and slowly, slowly, that Sikh's mind, which is dirty and dark, diluted, it becomes pure and bright, without any obstruction in it. Then that Sikh will come to recognize, to comprehend their true form. Their sense of pride of their body will be totally removed at that point. They'll understand that the Jeev, the individual, and the Ishvar, the divine, is actually just one. That eternal consciousness, which is the form of true bliss. They'll see that very clearly. But the speech between the two, between the Jeev, the individual, and the divine Ishvat is different. The individual speaks largely from unknown, whereas the speech of the divine is all-knowing. Those who understand this are wise. It's like water. Imagine really pure and some really marshy, dirty water. The sun's reflection can be seen in both, but the marshy, dirty water won't be able to see it entirely. But in the pure water, it can be seen extremely clearly. In this analogy, the sun in the reflection is Ishvara, the divine. The pure water is the satoguni, the essence of purity of Maya, which is the mind, as the mind is thought to be made out of satoguni materials in this trifold characterization of the world. So the dirt on the water, the tamoguni, the dark essence, is avidya, is ignorance. This idea above duality between you and other things is that avidya, that ignorance. This is how the jeev, the individual, can view the reflection of the divine. And the divine, while the divine has six qualities, which is why we call the divine Bhagavan. The jeev, the individual, has six vices. I'll explain all of them individually, so listen. The six qualities of the divine are that the divine is worthy of praise, the divine is the master of all, the divine is totally detached from this illusion of the world, the maya, the divine is infinite, it's beyond comprehension, the divine is the form of beauty, and the last quality is the divine is the light, it is the wisdom. The six vices within the individual, within maya in general, two are related to the body, birth, and death. Two are related to the prana, one's life force, which are thirst and hunger. And two relate to one's mind, happiness and sadness. The witness, 
behind all of the illusion of the world, the Sakhi, the Atma, the self, is separate from the illusion of the world. You may go mad and do anything else, but without understanding this, one does not become liberated. So the six heard this and they asked the Guru a question. Guru Hargobind, you have said to only sing the praises of the divine, Satanam. So essentially the six here are asking this because Guru Hargobind went deep into the metaphysics of the world and saying that without realizing, comprehending this divine nature of the world, one is not liberated. So they're asking then, what about devotional worship? Guru Hargobind then replies saying, think about it in this way in your mind. In a river with a current that's very strong, one may be able to swim across with the strength of their arms, but that would be very rare. Think about that carefully. But if one takes a boat, then everybody would be able to get across. They'll be able to cross with great ease to the other side. So in this way, think of Satanam, the divine name, as the ship that will take you across. Essentially, the catalyst. By the recitation of the name, all of one's affairs in their mind are sorted out. And it will be a great help at the end of one's life as well. It destroys all the pains in any time of your life. In this dark age, there's nothing else as equivalent as the recitation of the divine name. That's why one should forever remember the divine name in one's heart. If one forever recites the divine name, that person is blessed. Connected to the divine, the divine is so pleased with them. Whether one is married, a householder, a sannyasi, a renunciate, by reciting the divine name, the noose of death is cut away. Whether one is some highly person or a lowly person, whether one is a king or a beggar or a Brahmin who's doing crazy amounts of austerities and fasts, still, no one is equivalent to that person who just spontaneously and casually remembers the divine name. This is why one should forever adorn the divine name in their heart. They will be liberated themselves. They will liberate others in their lineage as well. All the six heard this and adorned this teaching within their heart. The poet Santok Singh here steps away and says, How can we recount all the six who were liberated, the countless six, who by remembering the divine name were liberated? The great Guru had attached their six to Gurmat, the Guru's teachings. The poet Santok Singh is saying that I've narrated just a small amount of these stories of the six, which enunciates on the virtues of the six, Guru Hargobind and on Gurmat. It's by great fortune that six have obtained the teachings of Gurumat from Guru Hargobind, they were liberated themselves, they liberated their companions, and they destroyed all their pains as well. This concludes the six-part series on the stories of the six, Sikhande Prasang, the question and answer between the six and Guru Hargobind during the Guru's time at Amritsar. In the next episode, we'll hear of some Sikhs in Kashmir, how one elder Sikh woman there was requesting and praying that Guru Hargobind would come visit them so we'll hear of her request in the next episode. And that's where we're going to pick up next time. But as always, I'd like to thank those who have been supporting the podcast through the Mangalacharan Patreon page.